In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis of all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the Gold Dome. And our guest today is Jim Galloway, the AJC's veteran political columnist, uh, who is right there with Brian Kemp all last week watching every move as well. How's it going, Jim? It's great. Uh, it was a, it was an interesting uh, first few days of a new administration. Yeah, let's get right into it, because it's not a surprise that a newly minted governor would take a big you know, tonal step away from a very partisan campaign. And yet, it's still somewhat jarring because it was such a partisan campaign. Right, right. Uh, I mean, we had a we had the inauguration speech. We had the state of the state address on Thursday, and uh, in in between and and in between we had an eggs and issues uh, address uh, on what Wednesday, on Wednesday, I think on Wednesday, and in each one each each speech was short. Uh, by by uh, by previous standards, and it was very nuts and boltish, if you will. Uh, not a whole lot of ideology, and uh, and a lot of uh, a lot of uh, kind of very tentative laying out of an administration's agenda. You got it. I mean, relatively no frills, r- relatively crowd pleasing. You you didn't find too many Democrats who had big objections with with the policies about cracking down on gang violence or ex, ex, uh, increasing teacher pay. Um, his his there was broad sort of platitudes about we know you can re- reduce taxes. We're going to leave it to lawmakers to figure out how. Um, he left the lawmakers to figure out exactly how to expand broadband internet to, to rural Georgia, and he appointed a commission to reduce regulation. So he's kind of taking a. Um, in some respects, a hands-off approach to some policy debates, and to others, he's very, very involved in, uh, especially the teacher pay raise that he outlined a three thousand dollars hike. Right. What we have to remember is that he's still putting his staff together. Uh, that's that's not completely assembled yet. He's got department heads to name, uh, and uh, and the other side of that coin is you've also got a a, a, a new a, a a great change of leadership, uh, a vast change of leadership in the state senate. Uh, so, so I would expect uh, just the the capital as a as a whole to be moving pretty slowly for the next few weeks. And we'll get to the the, the vast change in the Senate in, in a minute. But I want to go back to something you said earlier. Um, there's very little ideology in, in those first three major speeches. Uh, there was only, by my count, one mention of President Trump, who right. was a constant specter of last year's race. And only- he and he mixed it in uh, with 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 Mike Pence and Sonny Perdue as kind of a thank you for all the help with Hurricane Michael. You got it. There is no mention of religious liberty, at least in public appearances. None about guns or 
um, really illegal immigration crackdowns or abortion restrictions or any other things that were staples of his of his primary campaign, his runoff campaign, and and never really went away during his his general election campaign either. Right, right. It was, uh, and it, so it's it's a it's a it's a pretty big shift. Uh, I think we'll we'll see more of more of. We've got, we've got some uh, events coming up. We've got uh, we've kind of got the 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 anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision coming up next week. I think, and uh, after that, there's a Faith and Freedom uh, Coalition meeting on on uh, on the horizon there. And at those those two events, I think will we'll, if 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 Kemp is involved in the in the in, in, in both of them, uh, we'll get a good good sense of where he is with social conservatives. What we also didn't hear was any sort of um, policy stance on the voting issues that be, were so uh, loomed so large in last year's election. Um, there wasn't any affirmative stance for uh, on replacing the outdated voting machines, and certainly he did not wade into the debate about, let's say, uneven counting standards for absentee ballots, the long lines of the polls, early voting issues. All those issues that came, of course, the voter purge. All those issues that came up during the uh, during last year's election, uh, he steered clear, with the exception of putting in 150 million dollars in his budget for new voting machines. But that was about it. Right, right, and I think he's. If it, I, I think what we may see is that that any of this discussion, uh, he's going to leave that discussion to Brad Raffensperger, the new Secretary of State, who, who replaced him. Meanwhile, I want to talk about the, one of the first major actions he did take, which was on Monday night, shortly after he was sworn into office, he signed a trio of executive orders. But the most the, the most uh, newsworthy one was uh, about sexual harassment policy. Before, there were definitely uneven standards for how state employees uh, were to file and, and, and how these sexual harassment cases were to be considered and adjudicated. And now he's created kind of a, a, a clearinghouse in a way for all these sexual harassment complaints, something that uh, advocates for, for victims of sexual harass- harassment have long sought. Yeah, and this is this was kind of the focus of an AJC investigation uh, into in, into it, it was kind of a siloing of of sexual harassment uh, complaints. Uh, each department had, had its own standards. Uh, you didn't see information going back and forth between them. And I think uh, under under his executive order, uh, all of these complaints will be kind of uh, routed through the inspector general's office. Correct. You got it. Uh, and they'll be also setting up new standard training. Uh, uh, for uh, new harassment training and new standards for that training for all employees and for people who are going to be investigating those complaints. And one of the other important things they did was uh, set up two people in each agency who are going to be sort of charged with looking and handling some of these complaints and vetting them. And it's going to be one male and one female um, so that uh, so that there there's a little bit of that uh, delineation there. Right. Hmm. And that comes as well. Um, that came on the heels of a very controversial Senate. I told you we talk about the Senate, uh, uh, new change of power there, but a very controversial Senate decision on day one, um, just before inauguration, senators approved a new rule change that limits the amount of time that people um, who are filing sexual harassment complaints uh, can do so against Senate senators and Senate staffers. That was a big move, right? And and this was this was clearly a reaction to uh, what happened to David Schaefer uh, 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 last year. Schaefer was is the former uh, Senate President Pro Tem. He he made a bid for lieutenant governor. And uh, there was immediately after he qualified, there was a complaint filed against him. It was investigated. 
uh, and dismissed. And yet, you know, in politics, you take the charge. You don't take the you, you don't focus on the on the on the result. And there was a lot of dark money in that race, and uh, that uh, much of it was focused on that on that uh, harassment, that dismissed harassment complaint. Uh, Schaefer lost the the a July primary runoff to Jeff Duncan, who was sworn in on Monday as the next lieutenant governor. Yeah, and before there was no time limit for for people to file those complaints. Now there's that two year time limit, and it led to a lot of pushback from Democrats, but also from Republicans. And one of the major forces in that was Renee Underman, one of the two female Republicans in the Georgia State Senate. Right. Yeah, that was kind of that 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 kind of happened the next day. The sexual harassment rule change was Monday. On Tuesday, we found out that Renee Unterman had been dumped from her uh, chairmanship of uh, the Senate Health and Human Services Committee. Uh, 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 it was, which is, which is a, a, a very, powerful. very, very powerful, uh, committee. Uh, and then on Wednesday, the very next day, uh, uh, you ha- saw her allying, uh, allying herself with, uh, with women, uh, with democratic women on, uh, in a, in a kind of a, a formal protest that, uh, that ate up most of the morning. Yeah. And they, they vented about both the, the sexual harassment policy change on Mon- that, that was passed on Monday, and also the demotion of Renee Underman. Now, Jeff Duncan and other Republican leaders pointed to the fact that, that four women chair committees, but those committees, um, by and large, play a much f- more diminished role than did uh, Senator Underman's former committee, the Health Committee. They are decorative, if you will, and 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 uh, Senators Elena Parent and Jen Jordan, who's who chairs the the Senate Special Judiciary, uh, were among uh, those that got up and the, and said, "We know that these are that this is this is simply window dressing and and uh, and a way of keeping us off the more powerful committees." Uh, uh, you're going to have to help me with a, a name here because I'm blanking on it. Z- Zara Zara oh, Zara Karinchak. Zara Karinchak. Uh, she got up there, and this is this. The, Let's, if we can duck back into the the, the sexual harassment issue, uh, yeah, the rule change states a, a two year window, but she pointed out something really important here. It's actually smaller than that, because what that rule change says is uh, no no uh, no sexual sexual harassment complaint will be accepted against a senator or a senator who is running for public office, either for re-election or another office. From from qual- from qualifying, which is in March, until the the, the day of that uh, the election is certified, which could be as late as as late November or December, uh, senators get a free pass for about eight or nine months. Of for that. eight, yeah. uh, so so every every other year they get an eight month free pass. Uh, and that's 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 uh, that's not going to go down well, I think, once once people realize what's what's happened. There's a really to me a remarkable moment to see um, to see that sort of parade of, of, of people coming to the well of the of the Senate and and raising those concerns. Have you ever seen anything like that before? Uh, you, you used to quite often uh, 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 back in uh, back before the, re- uh, the 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 partisan rancor really really split the Capitol. Uh, you you saw you saw uh, Republican and Democratic women coming together. Uh, on on issues primarily around uh, surrounding health care insurance and what what uh, what should be covered and what shouldn't uh, and, and what is not covered uh, so this is kind of a revival the difference 
is, of course, is that we, we, we've seen this explosion of, of, women, of, of women lawmakers in, in, in the Capitol. I think uh, the, the freshman class is 31% uh, female, which is uh, uh, far, far greater than it's, – it's not up to the 50% that they're looking for, but it's, it's far greater than uh, that it has been in past years. Uh, the, but the situation – like in the Senate, you have 15 women. 13 of them are Democrats. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lopsided alliance, but it, it is happening. And that leads us to our next issue. The AJC released a pre-early uh, January poll, not really pre-session, but almost pre-session, uh, conducted by the University of Georgia. It's the same pollster we used all last year um, and who got rave reviews from both sides of the party line um, that point to some significant troubles for, for Brian Kemp, particularly among women. Um, his poll numbers, his favorability rate ratings are underwater. He's at about 37%. Um, and uh, most women approval, give him approval. a 37% approval rating, and most women uh, give him high dis- disapproval ratings. So he's got his challenges set out for him. I, I will tell you what, in, in going through the numbers that, that, that we got, I thought it was remarkable how much approval uh, and disapproval, not, not just for Kemp, but for also for David Perdue and for Stacey Abrams, the, the former Democratic candidate, uh, how they track with, uh, with, the, with, with the Donald Trump dynamic. Uh, I, I think I think uh, Trump is is defining uh, kind of the the political fracture here in Georgia. Oh, I agree. I mean, his 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 numbers pretty much par- paralleled Donald Trump's, and of course, um, he modeled his campaign, especially the early months of his campaign after Donald Trump, and in the general election, um, targeted intensely targeted so-called Trump voters, the people who usually skip these midterms, but but would go out for Donald Trump. Uh, but Donald Trump's numbers were also about 37% approval ratings. So both Brian Kemp and Donald Trump have about the same measure of approval in Georgia and pretty much the same partisanship. So there's very few Democrats giving them approval ratings, but soaring numbers among Republicans. Right, right, and the same, and, and the same for Purdue. Although there was Purdue one, was a little higher. There, there, there was a wrinkle in Purdue's uh, approval rating, in, in that is in that he uh, uh, Kemp's Kemp's support uh, is strongest in South Georgia. Uh, the, uh, the the poll uh, has has uh, separated the the uh, the the re- responses by region, mm-hmm. uh, Metro Atlanta, South Georgia, and North Georgia, and uh, uh, Kemp's strength was in South Georgia. Uh, which not not surprising given given the way he campaigned down there uh, last year, Purdue had some surprising support up in North Georgia, uh, and and he didn't do terribly in 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 Metro Atlanta, mm-hmm. and that's key for him. He was at forty five percent approval rating, so still not nearly where he wants to be, but higher than than both Kemp and Trump. Um, but his campaign needs to do much, much, much better than Kemp did in the Atlanta suburbs in 2020 against whoever challenges him. And and so they have to be a little bit emboldened by somewhat higher numbers in, in Metro Atlanta than, than Kemp performed. And that leads us to also to Stacey Abrams, who had about a 52 percent approval rating, um, much higher than 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 Brian Kemp and higher than David Perdue as well. And as she considers whether or not to take on David Perdue in 2020, um, she's got to be uh, you know ex- somewhat excited by these poll numbers. Yeah, uh, that was uh, her, her approval rating is uh, dramatically uh, impacted by by uh, by black respondents in the poll uh, who gave her a 90 percent rating, uh, a favorable rating. Uh, Far low, lower uh, on uh, among uh, white voters, although women uh, were, uh, were 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 pretty well uh, satisfied with her. Yeah, and she set herself a March deadline to decide whether or not to challenge Purdue or to potentially run again against Brian Kemp in twenty twenty two. 
she's getting a lot of pressure right now from state and national Democrats. She recently went up to Washington to meet with Chuck Schumer, the, the, the Senate minority leader, talk about a potential run. She's getting heavily recruited, even some of the potential candidates in Georgia, like John Ossoff, um, who, who just had a sort of a test run up in Northeast Georgia. He had a town hall meeting to test out some of his, uh, his policies. He's saying openly, I hope Stacey Abrams runs. Look, if, if you're, if you're a, a, a Democrat in Washington, if you're Chuck Schumer uh, looking at, at, at pickups, <laughs> you, you see how close that Abrams came to, uh, to, to winning the governorship. And you're seeing an operation that if, if, she, if she waits four years, is probably going to deteriorate. Uh, and and so so I'm sure the argument that 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 Abrams is being faced with is is look you've 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 got your people together just keep them going and it, I think it's noteworthy that that she announced this week that she's going to, uh, she, she's making a thank you tour of the state starting in Albany which is where her campaign began uh, campaign for governor began it's not often you see a runner up doing a thank you tour but that is exactly the poli- that's a, that's the approach she's had really since um, since she refused to concede the race ten days after the election. Um, she started a voting rights group uh, that has sued that has sued the state with a far-reaching lawsuit. She has gone on that group has gone on air with a healthcare-related message. She's joined the Central for, for American Progress think tank. She's been on a wave of m- m- media outlets and radio interviews and TVs. She's done some talking uh, talking at TEDx talks, and now this. So she's certainly staying center stage. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's uh, you know I mean a, a, a couple three weeks ago, uh, Greg, you and I were pointing to signs that that no, uh, she's more she her, she she's more state oriented. I th- I think that's changing, and and right now I'd be much less surprised if she decides to to go to go after that Senate seat. I'm with you. I, I kind of flipped internally in my in my own thinking about this about ten days ago. Um, gone from because it, exactly everything she had said was so state oriented. Her dream has always been to run for governor. The people around her said that it was kind of like uh, it was going to be. It was tough. The politicians aren't necessarily fungible. They can't just be shaped into any race that that comes before them. But when you're when you're getting this type of um, energy behind you, and also this type of pressure, and, and you have Donald Trump and and David Perdue on the ballot, and there's going to be no matter what, whether or not she runs, there's going to be an enormous amount of money and attention on Georgia because Democrats feel like this is now a battleground state. It's harder for her to say no. Right, right. Well, before we go, let's talk a little bit more about Brian Kemp. And with these poll numbers, this shows just how deep the partisan divide is in Georgia. What does he do next? He's already kind of laid out the no frills, um, crowd pleasing agenda. But you know, we've we've got, we've covered enough of these legislative sessions to say that all can fall apart in an instant. One of the more uh, telling things that he's done is, as we said, we, he hasn't made all of his, his appointments yet, but one in particular stands out to me, and that is in that his, he, he's named Martha Zoller, who's a, a, a former radio personality uh, up in Gainesville, uh, who uh, ran for Congress for ninth district congressional seat, lost to Doug Collins a few years back, and was working for David Perdue. He has he has named he has given her kind of a, an outreach position, uh, and and so so you're looking at the appointment of a a, a suburban woman. Uh, 
this isn't this isn't outreach to to rural Georgia. This is this is outreach to to North Metro Atlanta. I think. I think it's uh, several things because yeah, Mar- Martha Zeller ran for Congress up in North Georgia um, as well against uh, lost to Doug Collins. But it's a brand new office that the governor has never had before. As far as I know, no governor has ever had a position like this. And she oversees several other field officers under her, um, one of them being Brad Hughes, who is a former Georgia GOP operative. He'll be based down in South Georgia. So they'll have some people in Metro, they'll have some people in North Georgia, and they'll have some people in South Georgia. And this this kind of signals a very intense... Uh, mobilization effort because they know just as well as we do that that the day after he he won the election begins his reelection campaign. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Stacey Abrams obviously hasn't stopped running. I mean, neither has Brian Kemp. Yeah. Thanks, Jim, for joining us today. We really appreciate it. No, well, happy to do it. See you later. Well, that's all for this week's edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia. You'll get access to our daily newsletter, along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. It really means a lot to us when you do. And as always, thank you for listening. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.